This week on Recruitment Flex, Amazon tries AI again. Is this the beginning of the end for recruiters? Monster.com no longer exists in Asia, Pacific, and the Middle East. Being an ass with pay transparency laws won't help you in the long run. And before you lay off, realize that turnover contagion is a thing. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge. And as always, joined by Shelly Billinghurst. We need to get nicknamed Shelly. It seems to be a trend in all the podcasts I listen to. Everyone right? Has- I noticed that name? too. You have a nickname? Well, I have what my family has always called me two times no <laughs> no no it's not. i don't know where it came from originally but my nickname has always been chooch what chooch? No. chooch. What, what does it mean nothing it, it was i uh, know my little cousin when he was learning to talk he couldn't say my name okay and so they would always call me shell my aunt and uncle call me shell but he was really little and he couldn't say it and it just came out as chooch so everybody in the family calls me that well you know my girls or at least annabelle can say your name right Uh, oh my god yes cute story so one day annabelle is asking me a question she's saying something and i'm having a hard time understanding but she's saying is shelly your best friend or shelly's your best friend is what she said and i'm like how do you know Shelly, first of all? I think you've met her once. We must talk a lot about you in the household if she like <laughs> Shelly and then associate with being my best friend. And then I took a video and sent it to you, Shelly, which I know melted. What her. was even cuter is when she said who her best friend was, right? Who was her best friend? Oh, Genevieve. Genevieve. Her twin sister. And, yeah. and then, of course, then she says, but Mallory's just our sister. (laughs) It was absolutely adorable. Oh my goodness. Pretty cute. So cute. Uh, What is your nickname? What's my nickname? Oh, I've never had really a nickname. The only nickname I can ever remember is when I was uh, young playing in hockey, I got the nickname of Probert. And Probert was a big hockey fighter. And it was sarcastic because I was the smallest guy on the team. And would never fight ever, but that's 30 years ago. And I'm sure there's nicknames for me out there that I just don't know about. Next episode, Shelly, we <laughs> need to have a nickname prepared. Okay. Okay. Yep. I'll try and dream something up. And you can tell the origin story behind two times because that seems dirty as well. But it's not. <laughs> So Shelly, before I joined yeah. this call, I was just on a call of a friend of the show, Carrie Sparrow over at Greenwich HR uh, data company. And one of the questions I just asked them, like, how is it looking for recruiters right now? Because they have the data of how many jobs are posted at particular times in different markets and comparison year over year, month over month. And he's like, let me look into it right now. He pulled up the data and basically from three months ago to now, there is half of the job postings for recruiters there was. And you remember in January and February, we talked a lot about it. We had never seen so many recruiter job postings out there. Surprised by that, Shelly? When you say half, half at the same time as last year, this same time last year, 
we're no, no. half the job postings half compared to three months ago. Oh, yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me. I know when we were preparing for Disrupt HR, I'd done a bunch of research to see how is it looking based on Canada job postings on Indeed. And there was a big, big drop for sure. So not surprised. It's a shame though, that recruiters tend to be one of the roles that don't survive any whiff of reduction in workforce. That and marketing, they usually get cut first. Well, like we've talked about before, we're a little bit of the canary in the coal mine, right? When companies are not planning to be hiring and when they do layoffs, Mm -hmm. uh, recruiters are definitely on the list. We're going to talk about the negative impact of layoffs. And I think it's very relevant to recruiters because there's a lot more that recruiters can be doing. A downturn is actually a really positive thing for a lot of companies, especially when we think of how crazy it was and getting everything done and the systems broke, the process broke. We'll talk about that as well. The other thing that I did see, and we talked about this three weeks ago, came across an article in Japan about a dude that had taken over a thousand tests, like (laughs) recruitment tests. Pre-employment tests, yeah. Employment tests. And he was making around 30 grand a year doing that. But guess what? He got arrested, which I don't know if you would get arrested for that in Canada. Would you? Is it fraud? Well, I guess it is fraud. Of course it's fraud. Yes. And to be accepting money for it. It's a kind of hard paper trail to erase when you're accepting money from people, especially thousands of them. Yeah. I I was looking for extra ways to make money for Christmas. And (laughs) I was thinking that might be a possibility, right? Take some recruitment tests. But I guess that's not an option. I'd rather not go to jail because I don't think I'd do well in jail. But yeah, he got arrested. And I don't know what his sentence was. So if you're listening to this and that's part of the side hustle for you, probably you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, I should probably knock that off. Yeah. Just as we were talking about layoffs, there's a great article on Reuters that talked about all of the tech firms that are now saying, hey, if you don't like the Musk style of working, they're throwing their doors open come on over and work. And on Chad and Cheese last week, minus Chad, Joel Cheeseman had another co-host on, Jonathan Duarte, and they were talking about how really that's nothing new. This is almost like the pollination of how great ideas and great companies are formed. People that originally worked for maybe Facebook in the early days, and you know, as they make changes, these people are back out on the streets. So it's really nothing new in Silicon Valley. In fact, people don't ever join these big firms thinking they're going to stay for 10 years. They're always looking for the next great startup where they've got a really generous exit should anything happen. And that's just the way it is down there. I know I'm throwing cold water on just how dramatic the layoffs are, but the fact is those people take their knowledge, go to another firm, and that's where some of the best ideas are born. That's happening for sure. And I think there's a big difference when it comes to technology companies that are laying off people because those people are finding jobs in other areas really quickly. You've seen the layoff.fyi list. There's 30,000 people and then you look at it the next week and it's 20,000. It's shrinking rapidly. A lot of companies are great. There's layoffs. We're going to be able to get talent way cheaper. And that's not happening. If you're a no, data not cheaper. No, no, I don't think. They oh, think some gonna... people do think they can get talent cheaper. The more conventional companies are like, we haven't been able to hire a data scientist for three years and now we can afford them, but that's not no. what's happening. No, they don't reduce their price. And if they do, 
they want some pretty generous stock options or exit plans. And that's just the way it's done down there. Yes. The thing that we are seeing is there's a difference between people getting laid off from tech companies that are not really in tech. We're talking about HR, whatever the case They're not getting anywhere near the money that they're getting at these firms. That's a big challenge. We're seeing a big decrease in those salaries. But Anyways, let's jump into the recruitment insights and Shelly, Amazon does it again. Remember in (laughs) 2017, Amazon had to back away from an AI tool they were leveraging because it was showing clear bias. Well, there's a report that came out this week and according to confidential internal documents reviewed by Recode, Amazon has been working on an automated application evaluation system that will determine which job applicants possess the most potential for success. These candidates will then be fast-tracked for interviews within the white-collar headquarters and warehouse. The software searches for matches between the applicant's resume compared to Amazon workers currently in the same type of role. We've seen this. We've heard this before. And it's done a bad job in the past. But again, technology evolves dramatically. What do you think, Shelly? Should recruiters be worried because they're looking at leveraging these tools and shrinking how many recruiters they need by a lot? You know, it doesn't really worry me. In fact, what kind of stood out for me the most was they're going to anchor all this AI technology on resumes. They're not looking for talent. What they're looking for is just your experience. I think they learned their lesson about bias because now they're not looking at your name or your address or anything like that. It's just what's on your resume, but they're not looking beyond resumes. I would like to think that there's going to be a technology that is going to make resumes, not obsolete, but not as critical to your hiring decision. Michelle talked about it on our last show, Michelle Bird. If you're looking for warm bodies that kind of look like everybody else that we already have, I think that's what they've done. It reminds me a little bit of those sci-fi movies where they have those cyborgs and there's thousands of them. They're taking who's successful and we're going to only duplicate. You know, the the candidates that get fast-tracked are just duplicates of what we already have. Well, Shelly, we've read the reports in major cities how Amazon is well aware that they're going to be running out of workers. They're really looking at different ways that they can still do business. And one of the things that they've done is they've automated. If you look at the amount of machinery and robots that they have in their warehouse compared to two to three years ago, it's almost 10x what it used to be. I know what you mean, Shelly, when it comes to resumes, but how many people have we had in the show that we have the tool that's going to replace resumes? Dealing with clients on a daily basis, we are years and decades, if not like centuries away from the resume being changed, unless you start implementing assessments. And for these warehouse roles, Are these people going to do these assessments? Well, let's take those two ideas and combine them because here's the assumption that people actually want to work there. (laughs) So they develop technology to deal with the volume of applicants and the volume of roles. It is really not that far-fetched to think, like you say, they're exhausting the labor pool in some cities. They're developing technology 
thinking they're always going to be the shiny kid. Everybody wants to work there. So imagine a world where they put so much focus on weeding people out to the point where people stop applying and don't want their jobs to be solving an in-the-moment problem versus investing in making sure we've always got a supply of people. Egotistical is the way it feels to me. Well, Shelly, don't you think there's two classifications of jobs? The white collars, data, tech type jobs at Amazon, mm-hmm. there's a different level of attraction because working at like one of the biggest companies in the world in a tech job, are they going to leverage this tool as they move along more for those white collar type jobs? Well, again, it just assumes that they're going to continue to get the volume of applicants that they get today. If nothing else, we've seen the opposite happen to companies that have fallen out of popularity in terms of who to work for. One last point on this, AI is never going to replace recruiters. What this potentially can do is actually automate a part of the process that should be automated because we are not getting better at what we're doing. Yes, we're filling roles maybe a day quicker, but in reality, still shit. I want to jump into the next recruitment insight, which is one that I think both of us find fascinating. And we've been talking about paid transparency for a very long time, and we're starting to see legislation. One interesting story that you were able to pull is what we're seeing in New York City when it comes to pay transparency. It hasn't exactly worked out to the proposed law. And I think there's a lot of lawyers for major companies that are heavily involved in doing this. Because as we know, a lot of CEOs, a lot of executives don't like putting a pay range. And we know why. They know that if they're going to a market with a pay that's actually higher than the employees they have right now, they're going to have to make an adjustment. Even though the market has shifted, we have to pay more, but we can't increase everyone. But what's been happening in New York City is a lot of employers have been trying to avoid compliance or they've been dragging their feet. We've seen some really wild things. I think it's City Financial that did a job listing from 100,000 to 300,000. They're putting crazy ranges that doesn't really give you anything at all. They're actually looking like jackasses when they do that. So what's your take when you read this? If you are a current employee and they're putting these crazy ranges, I think the wildest one I saw was zero to three million. Yeah. My first take was, well, you know, that's probably right. If you're hundred percent commission, you could earn a zero, but it just smacks of lawyers trying to be maybe cheeky or just protecting their own asses. If you as a lawyer could get out of your chair for a minute and sit in the job seekers chair, you would think, why would I apply to that? You know, it's going to have the opposite effect. If you're trying to recruit and attract people and you put zero to three million, are you not going to get worse quality applicants? There will be consequences other than the obvious. There'll be penalties. The fines are up to $250,000 for companies unwilling to change their job ads after receiving a warning. More importantly, I'm thinking as an employee, wouldn't you feel kind of embarrassed? Like, Your company's put out a posting to say you could actually earn zero money doing this job. When you think about employer brand, like it just makes you look foolish. Citibank probably has an entire floor or two in a high rise somewhere of nothing but lawyers who've got nothing better to do than take on this law. It's almost like taunting them 
Okay, well, come on after us. Well, it's not surprising because we saw something very similar in Colorado when remote roles were the majority of that were out there and they would avoid posting the job in Colorado or they put in the ad not available in Colorado so they could avoid putting a pay range to the job. They are fighting hard against it, but the train is rolling. And I think you nailed it. If I'm a job seeker looking for a job and every job has a pay range and I see this ridiculous pay range, I'm like, motherfuckers, like, what are you trying to do here? I don't have a good sense of the brand at all. Like, it's not giving me a positive vibe. And there's a couple of things job seekers are looking for. Remote is one of them. The second is they want to see the pay. The propensity for them to apply for jobs with a pay range is much higher. So why would you put yourself at a disadvantage when you don't need to? You're not going to be able to circumvent this for a long time. Part of the challenge right now is no one's enforcing it. We had talked to here in Canada about PEI and the answer they gave me is like, yeah, we're not going to be able to really enforce it. I'm hoping people do it, but we don't have the manpower to enforce it. Obviously, the mm-hmm. resources in New York City are probably a lot more than Prince Edward Island, but we'll see what happens. This is not going to end well. You know what I think? I think that maybe like these bigger companies were thinking, ah, oh, they'll never do it. If they're dragging their feet because they haven't quite figured it out internally is one thing, but posting these ridiculous ranges it's going to have the opposite effect. Did they need more time or were they really hoping it wasn't going to actually happen? Were you just putting your head in the sand and saying, we'll just wait and see, which would be kind of a big corporate thing to do, right? They think they have more power than they really do. Let's just wait and see what happens. I think you're right. I think there was some of that or not really seeing the importance or the possible ramifications of doing this and not thinking about it in a marketing sense. They're thinking Mm -hmm. as a compliance, not thinking what the negative effects to your employer brand, to your recruitment market, how it could affect because you're going to need people to do those jobs. Let's jump into one of my favorite companies, monster.com. You know what, Shelly? I remember Monster.com so positively in so many ways, right? I remember the Super Bowl ad that they had that made a big buzz. And my first job in this space working uh, for a job board Workopolis, we were neck to neck with Monster. And that was really cool because Workopolis was a Canadian company, small, and we were going against a big giant and kicking their ass. We kicked their ass for many years and like that started that fall. And then obviously Indeed coming in really killed them and career builder. But in 2016, Randstad bought Monster, which was fascinating because I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. And they paid 429 million, which didn't seem like an overpayment, but definitely seems as an overpayment right now. And They're continuing to struggle across the world. If you've been on Monster recently, basically, it is a Randstad job board. In 2018, Randstad sold a portion of Monster.com to a company called QuestCorp. When you sent me the article this week, what Monster.com was doing in Asia Pacific, I was fascinated. Basically, what they're doing is... They've announced that they're transforming into a full-fledged talent management platform known as Foundit.in. 
Uh, it's got a new logo, a new vision. They're completely rebranding Monster. You think about Asia Pacific. My God, there is billions. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. I know. There's two billion, three billion there people is. that live like one of the biggest markets in the world. And they've realized that we're pretty much dead as a job board. We both know, Shelly, the minute that you lose your job seekers, regaining them, well, there's no history of any company in the world that's lost market share and their job seekers and have been able to regain them, transforming into something where they see a lot more potential and they see the paradox, they see the eightfold doing really well. They probably have the technology, the tools to be able to execute. I think it makes sense what they're doing here. What was your thought when you read this? Well, Yes, when I read the numbers, Monster said it had been serving 70 million job seekers and 10,000 customers. Let's put this in context. How many people do you think there are in India, Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, United Arab Emirates, and Saudi Arabia? Oh my God, they have become a small niche job board. Like That's all they've become to even lose the name. And change the name. I mean, I heard funeral music <laughs> when I read the article. It's like announcing that the beast is finally dead. You know what? It just hit me. I'm looking at 10,000 customers. I didn't realize I'm, I'm now counting in my head. I'm like, well, I know smaller job boards in Canada that have 5,000, 3,000 mm-hmm. customers, like 10,000 customers. Consider the size of just the size of India alone. Yeah, that's nothing. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't think about that. What do you think, Randstad? Like, what's the strategy now? So Randstad owns the rest. Oh no, the European was sold off as well. Um, I found another article that talked about a new job portal called Jobly, which is in Finland, and they are doing the same thing. They're formerly known as Monster. Fi. This was a different company that purchased monster.com for the European market. And again, it was another funeral reading the Jobly story and what they're going to do with it. They're acknowledging it. it's time to let it rest. You yes. know, let it Thank you for loose. bringing that up. I yeah. completely forgot about that. Yeah. But what is Randstad going to do with Monster? Well, I think you already said, Serge, even if you look at Monster now, it's just a job board for Randstad. Yeah, it really is. Don't underestimate. They're a big employer. Randstad is one of the largest in the world, them and manpower, right? Depending on which country. But I would see Randstad as using it for their own purposes. $450 million is a lot to spend for an internal job board. $429 million. There you go. In 2016 so- dollars. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's just a brand like monster.com. You could probably sell the domain for maybe like- monster energy drinks will finally get the monster.com domain. I don't know, but I agree with you. I think the rest of monster is just going to die in a vine and just be part of Randstad's internal tool. We'll never see like yeah. Indeeds or any of the big players really buying the brand. They don't have any traffic. No, no, the traffic is gone. Let's jump into our last recruitment insight. Uh, Right before joining, I was looking at LinkedIn and I saw layoffs at DoorDash. They've grown pretty rapidly here in Canada, but similar to most tech companies trying to do some talent hoarding or overestimating what the actual growth is going to be, which I get with DoorDash because during the pandemic, people went crazy in ordering 
DoorDash, Skip the Dishes here in Canada. But our habits have really fallen back to where they were before. I still don't get it. Like I'm paying $15 extra for my McDonald's. It just doesn't make sense. The whole business model is crazy to me, but that's a different story. Basically where I'm getting here is layoffs can be seen as really easy thing to do to cut costs. But I don't think we realize, and we're stupid for not realizing this, the lasting impact that layoffs have on an organization, the culture will never be the same. The minute you do layoff, even if it's a tiny layoff, the amount of people that now turn over voluntarily after the fact is extremely high. You're laying off what you think are your low performers and you end up losing your top performers because I don't want to be around this. Like I'm very valued. Mm -hmm. I can go somewhere where they value their employees more. What was your take on reading that? And what's your feeling about companies that are doing these layoffs? When we connect the dots, Surge with the Mercer survey that showed the number one concern for people was paying their bills. And the other thing that had moved up for what's on the mind of employees was around stability. That's why the trickle down or the knock on effect of even if you laid off less than 1% of your total workforce, it does create more voluntary turnover, people leaving thinking, well, we're not quite as secure and steady as we were led to believe. When employers are doing layoffs, you know, I've always wondered, I mean, I've never sat around the C-suite table when they're making that decision on should we lay people off and what else have they done to reduce costs or to be more efficient? I know in the oil patch, rather than lay people off, there were a few companies that did not. But what they would do is they had employees either accept a wage freeze, some even accepted a wage rollback. Because when you see an entire industry sector and realize you may work for the one of the big five, or you may work for kind of the next layer down or the next layer down, you won't get the same total compensation package. And so a lot of employers that didn't do those layoffs, and we know that the price of oil is coming back. And when it came back, guess who's in a good position to start buying up other companies that had started the layoff process and were now struggling once the price started to go back up? It is very short-sighted. Everything you worked for, everything you've built, you can burn it down in seconds. That's a very good point. And I think one of the things that we don't realize when we're doing layoffs is how job seekers now perceive the company. You're still going to need to hire people. And we're seeing that with Twitter. They laid off like 80% of their staff, but they're still hiring. Now it's much harder to recruit. And you end up having to pay more because of that perception. You're perceived as unstable. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. now you're paying a lot yeah. more. You're putting yourself at a serious advantage. The flip side to it is the stupid CEOs of tech companies, these tech bros that went crazy thinking, well, let's not worry about profit. Let's just hire a crazy amount of people and then when reality hits and now investors are like, where's my money? They're like, oh shit, I need to lay off a lot of people and they're in a really bad position and not understanding when you're doing these massive hiring sprints, 
you're affecting people's lives, right? Like they could have taken a job somewhere, maybe that's more stable, that has more opportunity for them long-term, but you're selling them the glory of, hey, we're going to build the world's greatest thing. And six months after they've quit their job at Google to work for your company and they get fucking laid off, like what a bad experience. But we've also seen tech companies that do they need 7,000 people? Could they function with 500 or with 1,000 mm-hmm. as, as Twitter is doing right now? It's going to be something to watch. The end message here is if you're going to do layoffs, make sure that you're looking at all factors because it's going to cost you a lot more in the long run. There are other options. That's really my message is there are other options and other companies have done it even in the face of recession or what have you. You yeah. can still keep your people. So Shelly, what's exciting going on for you? Well, so I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I volunteer with Young Women in Business. It's an organization where you are paired up with a young woman who is looking for a mentor. We had our kickoff last night and got to meet this year's group of recruits. I love being part of it because I feel like I'm in touch with what this generation is looking for in terms of young women in the business community. We did end up talking about the job application process. Don't ask me how we got on the topic, but it came up. So there was like 10 of us at the table talking about how they absolutely never again will fill in the six pages or upload your resume, it parses it, and then you got to fix it for 45 minutes. I said, really? So how many of those did you fill in before you realized that this is just a waste of your time? They're like, yeah, after the second or third one, they just won't even do it. They won't even apply. And I'm like, isn't that interesting? It totally lines up with what the research tells us about your drop-off rate in register to apply. So anyways, I just wanted to share that with you because it was very spontaneous. We just happened to start talking about it. And I'm like, okay. So well, there's think about it. Life. Yeah, like yeah. everything they use, it, the friction has been removed, right? Like they're buying something on Amazon, it's one click. Why is there this friction? It mm-hmm. just doesn't make any sense to them. And I get it. I guess the story we've been telling is very accurate. Well, I'm so happy you're doing that because yeah, a, lot really of young, yeah, a lot of young women could learn a lot from what you've learned from me that you can distribute to them. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're taking credit for my success. But I do owe you everything. I really do. I really do. I was seriously <laughs> just kidding, Shelly. So Shelly, well, have a great weekend. Thank, Thank you. for listening, everyone. Bye for now. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.